0: This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 54. Our special guest today is Darren J. Gold. Darren is the author of Master Your Code The Art, Wisdom, and Science of Leading an Extraordinary Life. This book is a must read for leaders and anyone who's interested in personal growth and development. Darren shares how the book came to be, and we discuss what the road to extraordinary life looks like. It's a lively and thought-provoking conversation you won't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, healthcare leaders.
1: I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Troset. We're your hosts for Healthcare's
0: Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast.
1: We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes
0: that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Hi, everybody. It's Tracy. And Michelle. Here we are. Yeah. Embracing our errors. <laughs> Owning our mistakes. <laughs> Owning our mistakes. Embracing our errors. Finding things to laugh about. <laughs> Being grateful for our gracious guests on our podcast because we made a whopper of an error this week. We did. And we owned it right? We did. We We owned it. We did a fabulous interview that unfortunately you're never going to (laughs) hear. But the upside is we did it again. Yes. And it's a fabulous interview and we just finished it.
1: Yeah. And that interview was with Darren J. Gold, who we were so excited about having him on our podcast and interviewing him. And it was a fabulous interview, and we wrapped it all up, and we went to go save it, and we realized we never hit record. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we had only recorded our voices. <laughs> just only half of the conversation was missing, right? And uh he was just so gracious and understanding, and so you can just really tell he lives the principles in his book. <laughs> that's that's right. He sure does. Right? And he's like, let's just choose the belief we want to have, and we'll... Just go forward, right? And we yeah. just said, well, there must have been a message in that last interview that needed to be said that didn't come out. So here we're going to do it again. So,
1: yep. 24 hours later, we re recorded it and now you get to listen to it. It's a masterpiece. It is. It is a masterpiece. <laughs> and I'll tell you uh, how we even learn about Darren Gold. Um, back in February, I was speaking at a conference for Missing Logic and I happened to, you know, check my phone and on social media, there was this article about polarity thinking, a leadership game changer by Darren Gold. And of course, that caught my eye because, you know, managing tensions is a cornerstone corner, cornerstone in our dynamic balance effect. And so I started digging into this guy, like, who's Darren Gold, and what does he do? And then I discovered he wrote this book, and then I discovered all kinds of things, and it was awesome. I mean, he's
0: he's really a kindred spirit in so many ways. Yeah meant to be. We were meant to cross paths, and I'm grateful for his graciousness and his book and the opportunity to meet him.
1: Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Darren, and then we will kick off the interview. Darren J. Gold is a managing partner of the Trium Group, where he serves as an executive coach to the CEOs of many of the world's most influential companies. He is the author of the book, Master Your Code, The Art, Wisdom, and Science of Leading an Extraordinary Life. The book has already received significant praise from CEOs of companies like the Home Depot, Lululemon, Dropbox, StubHub, Roche, and from experts in the field of leadership and personal development, like Greg McCowan, author of the New York Times bestseller, Essentialism. The feedback has been tremendous of his book, some calling Master the Code the most important thing I've read in years and one of the great personal development books of our generation and we could not agree more. So without further ado, here's, here's our interview with Darren J. Gold. Welcome, Darren. We are so grateful to have you on our podcast today. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure.
1: It is our pleasure. Uh, so one of the things Tracy and I like to do when we start our podcast with someone we interview is we like to learn a little bit about them and start with some fun banter. So tell our listeners a little bit about what part of the country you live in and what are your favorite hobbies?
2: Uh, I uh, live in the north in Northern California, the Bay Area, just outside of San Francisco, about 20 miles south of the city of San Francisco, in an area called the Peninsula. And uh, it's a beautiful place. I've lived here for 20 years, uh, raised my three children who are 20, 18 and 14. And so my wife and I love living here. Uh, it's a wonderful place. And um, I spend my time mostly, if I can, being outdoors, and, and the California weather allows that <laughs> most of the time, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that could be exercising or hiking or, um, you know, doing things that are outdoors, uh, and, uh, and then I love to read. Uh, it's one of my passions. You'll find me uh, sort of curled up somewhere in the house with a book, uh, my nose in a book, and so uh, among many other things, those are probably a couple things that I spend my time doing.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I'm a reader too. Yeah, she <laughs> is. Yeah.
1: And I love, I love uh, Northern California and, and Napa, Napa Valley. So whenever I go to San Francisco, my car yeah. just finds its way there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a hard it's beautiful. not to visit. It's, it's gorgeous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, how does it feel to be published as a book author now?
2: Yeah, it feels really great. Uh, it's been about six months since I published the book, uh, my book Master Your Code, and um, it's a little surreal, you know. Yeah. I think for for me being a first time author, actually having published something is a bit of a surreal feeling, but it's been incredibly gratifying. You know, first just to have finish the act of writing a book and then going through, which is probably more work, the publishing process. (laughs) uh, Because there are just so many small details that I had no idea I would need to wrestle with and finalize. um, When you're trying to put something out there, uh, uh, hopefully with some high quality. Uh, The most gratifying thing, though, is just the feedback I've gotten from readers. Uh, And it's one thing to get feedback, I was actually asked this question uh, this morning, I was on a call from people you know, or even like one degree of, you know, connection separated from you. But when you begin to get feedback from people, you have no idea like who they are and how they picked up your book and uh, have the impact that the book has had, um, has been incredibly gratifying. That's been the most uh, really remarkable thing for me.
1: Well, that would be us.
2: (laughs) I guess we're connected that way. Yeah, yeah. that's how we got.
1: We didn't know you. And then the book really was our connector. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it definitely impacted us. We were really amazed by your book.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We loved it. Thank you. And we were like right away, okay, this is a kindred spirit. Like, this guy's talking our language. (laughs) Have you been following us around? Were we one of your case studies? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just so much of what's in the book, we just embrace and believe and have been on our own journey and all of those attributes, right, leading to that um, extraordinary life. And we are all about balance and resilience uh, for our own lives and supporting healthcare leaders and achieving Mm -hmm. that as well. And we've referred many people to your book and our podcast will do that as well, right? We're just, just avid fans. Thank you. So tell our listeners a little bit about how the book actually came to be and like, what was your primary goal or purpose in writing the book?
2: Yeah, well, the book came to be because my son, my oldest uh, at the time was 18 years old and was well, just about to turn 18, was just graduated from uh, high school and just about to go to college. And I sat down to write him a letter. And it was my humble attempt as a father to provide some advice to his son about like how to live a good life. And uh, I wrote this letter and I liked it and I sent it around to a few of my friends and colleagues and clients and before I knew it, without asking them to, they had forwarded around and a few thousand people had read it. And I was like, wow, there's something that's really deeply resonating for people in this letter and perhaps it contains the seeds of a book. Mm -hmm. And I found myself thinking about that. And then in a leadership conference, the first day of a leadership conference, where uh, one of the things we were asked to do was to come up with a big commitment. It was about embodied leadership. And I said, okay, what's my big commitment? I was like, well, maybe it's writing a book. And we were partnered together. And I... Was speaking with this woman who I'd never met before, and she said, Okay, what's your commitment? And I said, It's writing a book. It's something I wanted to have, have wanted to do for a long time. Well, what would you write about? She asked me. I said, Well, you know, I wrote this letter to my son, and da 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 and I want to base it on that. And she goes, Is that the letter that, and she had read my letter. Wow. And this is somebody that I didn't know, didn't know anybody she really knew. And so I was like, What's the, co- you know, what are the odds of meeting somebody? that's read the very letter that's the inspiration for this commitment. And I knew that there was sort of like a sign from the universe that I was destined to write this book. And I made a commitment in that leadership workshop, um, to write the first draft of the book in the next 12 months. And I, I, I beat it by about a month.
1: Oh, oh gosh.
2: Um, so that was the, uh, the inspiration. The, the deeper, I think hope for the book was my own sort of personal and professional journey And the wisdom I had accumulated on that journey, I really wanted to try to synthesize and crystallize and offer it back to the world in a way that was practical and approachable without sacrificing substance. And so my aim in writing the book was to do that, and and hopefully I've succeeded in some, some degree.
0: Oh, I think you more I think than you succeeded. <laughs> I think you did. Thank you. Now, I have to ask you something. What was yeah. your son's response to the letter?
2: Well, you know, typical teenager, right? Like, kind of <laughs> put it down. I was like, thanks, Dad. You know? <laughs> I was like, okay, wow. Um, I think deep down, he was, um, you know, obviously, de- you know, I think hopefully deeply uh, honored that I would, would take the time and, uh, and, and to give him more credit than I am. He's... Uh, Internalized a lot yeah um, and uh, actually I write a lot you know I write a little bit about parenting in the book. Um, my parenting mm-hmm. style has never been one to sort of you know force onto my children right. this is how you need to do things it's more to um, be a role model and a living example for them to take or not take mm-hmm. um, what mm-hmm. I do and I think my my son has seen that so more than the letter I think he's been mm-hmm. witness to hopefully, an attempt to live a good life uh, and to role model many of the things that I talk about in the book. And I'm I'm certainly not perfect, but I, I try to do my best.
0: Yeah. yeah. It'll be a gift over time, too. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, a lot of times um, the advice or, you know, your actions, things that you do as a parent, right, um, has the value later on when they're in a space to be able to appreciate it to its fullest yeah. capacity, yeah. right? And, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm just impressed that you did it that you yeah. wrote the letter I mean I think it says a lot about you as a parent oh, um, to really be that thoughtful right to try to put your experience your wisdom into something that you know a letter that they could um, have the rest of their lives and you know it's hard to encapsulate the things you've learned I think sometimes so and obviously it spoke to thousands of people, right so, whether he got it or not they did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And now the world's going to get yeah, it, right? Now now the with world's going to get so, it. So awesome. It is. And it, it's just a fabulous book. Yes. There's there is so much wisdom. And we can really relate again to your journey and that you know, our journey of 30 years of leadership and partnership and working together, you know, same thing for us. Like, we're trying to bring together within kind of a structure our lessons learned and the things we think other leaders can benefit from. So, you're a great role model yeah. for us. We might have to tap you again for insights oh. on how to do our book in the future.
2: <laughs> That's nice of you to say. Thank yeah. you.
0: So... Um, so, why don't you just tell a little bit too about the title Master your code yeah. like where did that come from? What's behind that title? I think it's a great title. I really like it.
2: yeah, I struggled with that. It did not come easy. Um, I in this I think it was the the third and final sort of rewrite of the book. I got the first draft done, I fulfilled my commitment <laughs> I thought, okay, I've got something here I gotta gotta really turn it into a A cohesive book, and I had a second rewrite, and there was still something missing. And as I was struggling with bringing it into sort of a coherent whole, this notion of a distinction came to me. And I was sort of like struck by this notion that we're all run by, and I I use the word program, a Mm -hmm. program, right? We're sort of programmed by a set of subconscious safety-based beliefs, values, and rules that automatically drive our behavior and limit our results. And I was like, okay, we have this program. I was like, What's the, what would be the distinction I could offer the reader and therefore construct the book around? I was like, well, there's this opportunity to consciously choose a set of beliefs, values, and rules that was purposefully designed to really serve us and produce extraordinary results. And I said, that's a code. And there's something in this program code. There's sort of a technology. I'm in the Silicon Valley. So, you know, <laughs> But it's also like, you know, if you think about like a code of honor or a code of ethics, right? There's something about like that in that word. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a great distinction. And I offer that distinction at the beginning of the book. It's the first thing. The first page is those two definitions. The word master was really important for me because mastery runs throughout the book. This notion that we're never fully finished. We're always on a path. Um, It's a long and hopefully very fulfilling journey. Um, There's nothing easy about it. I did not want to write a book that said the 10 steps to being an extraordinary person in three days. Like That was not the book I wanted to write. I did want people to feel a sense of immediate empowerment. And at the same time, here's the and, right? (laughs) And at the same time, appreciate that this is a lifelong journey, and it's a commitment I need to make every single day. And I wanted that sort of Complexity, that polarity, to sort of exist in the minds of the readers. So mastery was really important, and then the subtitle, um, "The Art, Wisdom, and Science of Leading an Extraordinary Life." There's polarity in that, by the way,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Science yeah. and wisdom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like the yep. linear, rational, Newtonian world, and the sort of more mystical, spiritual, ancient wisdom world. I was like, wow, what? A, what about a book that honors both of those oh, things? Sure. Um, and I wanted to make sure that, that I brought the best of those two worlds, not that they're totally separate, together. Um, and when I had that subtitle and that title, it kind of came together for me. Yeah.
0: Well, the science yeah. and the art too, Yeah. right? Uh, and we right. really appreciate In that. In healthcare, as, we say that all the time. All the There's time. There's a science and an art to healthcare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. It's not an either or. Yeah. not black and white. You can't just do one, right? Yep. They're connected, so... Yeah, I, I love that, and I, I love that kind of frame, right, for the book, and, um, and and it's like rewriting your code, right, like and mastering the process of doing that, and yeah, so it is a process, to your point, right, and it looks a little different for individuals.
2: Yes. Um,
0: everybody has their own journey, is yeah. what I gathered from the book,
2: mm-hmm. but there
0: are some key attributes. There are some common components of the code, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: can you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So, you know, what I assert in the book is that there are these 10 essential lines of code that if you master them then, you know, it's sort of the key to leading an extraordinary life. And I think honoring that, you know, everybody's going to get there in a different way and have different needs, right? And probably different starting points. Mm-hmm. Other than the, the the first place to start, which is the first chapter is awareness right? You, we can't change what we can't see. And I share this example of David Foster Wallace, his commencement speech, where he shares the story of the two younger fish swimming along, and the older fish swims by, and he says, hey, boys, how's the water? And they look at the older fish, and they go, what the hell's water? Mm-hmm. And it's, a, for me, a really funny and and very illustrative metaphor for these beliefs we are swimming through, the waters of our beliefs and our culture And we don't even see it. And if we don't see it, we don't realize how much we're driven and how much choice we actually have. Um, And that to me is foundational. So, like the first line of code is, you know, I am the author of my life. Mm -hmm. And that sort of declaration is born out of a fundamental, you know, notion of awareness. And then each chapter deals with successive beliefs that one has, uh, the beliefs that are sort of a default part of our program Mm -hmm. and an alternative belief, which is part of a consciously constructed code. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sort of go through those successively.
0: Yeah. And that's a polarity in itself, right? Conscious and unconscious. Yes. You have to consciously make choices, right? But so much of our life is a habit, is unconscious Mm -hmm. and, you know, a result of our experiences. And I, I agree with you. I think awareness is, The key right you cannot do anything about what you're not aware of and and even that higher I think the whole of your book and what has come to me in my life is being awake like just Mm -hmm. you know that that being fully awake and alert to the whole you know and there's so it's complex to your point too right it's very complex Yeah. yeah it makes such a difference um You mentioned, you know, thousands of people read the letter and you got some really good, you know, obviously enough positive response to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) What about since it's been published? I mean, what what are you hearing from your readers? Any surprises or anything that, um, you know, is heartfelt, uh, meaningful for you? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, there were, I just, it's sort of, I don't, I'm bashful, uh, but nevertheless, very proud of, uh, you know, the, there were a couple like more professional reviews that came out. And the one that was so gratifying to hear was, you know, Darren Gold has written his debut book and he may never have to write another one. Wow. And I was like, okay, I, you know, drop the mic. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: and, <boom. laughs> but I think what, it,
2: what it spoke to and what I was really intending to do was I didn't want there to be a wasted page. You know, I think sometimes in this genre, we and I have so much respect for the authors out there. There's so many fantastic books. Um, I'm just honored to even be thinking about being, you know, in that company. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some books out there. There's like, wow, they could have said that in like 30 pages, exactly. and I didn't want to be one of those books. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I wanted every page to add something. And uh, and it's a reasonably short book for the amount of subject matter takes on a little over 200 pages, but the feedback I've gotten, the sort of two pieces of feedback I'm most proud of is like, it was so essential. Like every word, every sentence, every paragraph, every page didn't feel like it was fluff or additive. It felt like it was essential, which is really what I was hoping to achieve. And the second thing was um, just the life impact, you know, for many people, particularly those new to the genre, uh, like changed my life, that kind of feedback, and even those that are sort of deeply steeped in this genre, you know, similar feedback. So that's been really gratifying.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I could see why they'd say that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I. I would say every page is full of inspiration and wisdom and um, just powerful insights and. Um, and I know what you mean. Like, I've read some books too, and it's kind of like, okay, right? Like, I, the first chapter to the last chapter <laughs> didn't need anything in between. Yeah. <laughs> right. It just doesn't have the substance. And yeah. I think your outcome is uh, testimony to your intention. And we just, we always oh. talk about intention, intention, right? And when you have an intention, like that, a powerful intention like that, then it's more than likely going to come true. Yeah.
1: The other thing yeah. I really loved about your book, Darren, is I, I have both copies. I have a hard copy and I have Auditory, the audio book, which you, mm. by the way, narrated. Yes. How cool is yeah, that? I have that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, it's just kind of like I tell people, like uh, when you see a movie, sometimes it isn't like, well, how was the movie? If it was really done well, you go, oh, it's how they did it you know how they you know move characters around or whatever but that's what i loved about your book too it was how you spoke through it and you kind of got that message to myself like how you were coded to mm. help people understand oh how was i coded it was it was brilliant the way you did it i really loved it
2: oh yeah thank you uh, i i think uh, part of that third rewrite i got some incredible feedback from a business partner of mine katherine uh, who said, you've got to tell more of your own story. And so one of the things that I, uh, that I, advice I took to heart, because I wasn't planning on being as forthcoming uh, as I am in the book, but I think it really completed the book in a way um, to share my own personal story and to share how, you know, uh, how I developed awareness and the choices I made around constructing my code and what my old program was. And so I used those examples as a way to to illustrate, you know, a a real example of it. Um, So, yeah. It's really
0: powerful. Thank you. It is. And stories speak volumes, you know. It's kind of like, it's like with your kids, right? It's not what you say, it's what you do. And in books like this, it's a story that people can step into. Mm -hmm. And they can see themselves in it in some way or relate to it in some way. And uh, and so it, it was a great addition. I think it's really... It's powerful.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, you were really looking forward to the marketing of the book and everything. Has, that had, has the COVID-19 had any kind of negative impact on that? Or I mean, we know a lot of people were trying to get books out, and yours came out a bit before, so that might have been to your advantage. But have you had any struggles with that, or has it been helpful?
2: Uh, not, not, much of an impact. You know, I, you know, it's been six months. So the books actually a little bit more than six months now, seven or eight months. So the books out there, I've been fortunate enough to have opportunities like this to, great. to be on uh, great shows so that people, and I think people have more time now to listen and read. Um, and I think it's more relevant, this question of like, what's the secret to leading an extraordinary life? Uh, and the claim in the book is that everyone has the opportunity to do that regardless of circumstances. So I think given that we're living in pretty unprecedented times, people are really asking that question. Like, what does it look like to flourish uh, even when circumstances are trying? And so I think they, uh, if anything, the book has maybe even more relevance today than it did, you know, seven or eight months ago.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. You know, we keep telling people you got to be thinking about who you want to be on the other side of this. Right. Yeah. Right. And start being that now. Right. Yes. Taking yeah. the steps now.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, Darren, our discovery of you and your book, and you already mentioned uh, polarity a little bit earlier. You know, we discovered that you have met one of our great mentors, Dr. Barry Johnson, who we call the father of polarity thinking. We also interviewed him this week, and it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, we were really excited about that because we see we don't we hadn't met you, but we got this connection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, tell us a little bit about how you met Barry.
2: Yeah, well, I, I met him first through his writings and his book, you know, and that's, I think, how I've discovered many teachers, um, some of whom you've never, never met, but you just consider them friends and teachers, right? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, but Barry's works just, um, it was immediately um, one of those sort of revelations where it's like you had stumbled on this just in piece of wisdom and wisdom tool that changed the way I saw the world and it's rare that that happens but when you when that happens i just know it instantly and and i love his story you know really in a therapy session with a client i think it was in the 70s or something yeah. like that you know like in a 45 minute he had ma- he had developed the polarity map and used it and like when something like that happens you know it's sort of it's something else is it's like using the human being as a vessel to express itself. There was some, you know, universal wisdom that needed to come out mm-hmm. and manifest in 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 our world, and it just so happened to find the perfect vessel in Barry Johnson. And um, and then I was really fortunate to take, you know, I took a polarity thinking workshop because I was getting deeper and deeper into it in my own work, my my work with clients, and uh, he taught a part of it, and so. Uh, just getting to hear from him, I think more than anything, just blown away with what a like beautiful and lovely soul he is. Um, you know, I think his last line was when I, when I, when I see you completely, I love you or, you know, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a underlying message of love in his work, um, that I think is even more powerful than the the wisdom tool itself. So just a, just a big gift.
1: That's uh-huh. been our experience with Barry too. He's Yeah. He's he's an amazing human being and he is um and he just wears it. He wears it everywhere on him and what he says and his emotions and he's so
0: compassionate compassionate, and empathetic authentic. and yeah, just mm-hmm. probably one of the most genuine people I know. Yeah. I'm just yeah. so yeah. blessed to have him in my life. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and the world needs role models like that because we, we, we need like living manifestations of the virtues that we we all know are important. Yeah. In the absence of a, a living example of it, it's, it's, it's harder to put into practice. And so whenever we have one of those in our lives, we just got to treasure them. And, um, you know, and sur- I, I try to surround myself and be in the presence of people that are living examples of those kinds of virtues as much as possible. He's, you know, a beacon of, of that.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He sure is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, as you're aware, Darren, you know, Tracy and I, we work with healthcare leaders. I know you work with a lot of leaders as well. And, um, in our dynamic balance effect, one of the pillars is managing tensions, and that's the way we bring polarities thinking and the whole important interdependent concepts into the healthcare field, which is desperately needed. I might add especially right now <laughs> yeah and um, so we were re- we really liked how you included polarity thinking in one of your chapters um, as a way to understand other people's perspectives. And specifically it was in chapter six, I seek to understand. And we both really like too the example that you used to share with your, you know, with your readers of a certain tension that you personally were struggling with. Uh, the example of being challenging and also celebrating, and mm. we thought it would be really helpful s- since we know all of our listeners haven't read your book yet. <laughs> Just a mm. little taste of that tension and what you learn from that.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I went through that exercise a few years ago of of like really identifying the the primary tension, right? I think you know, there's one author that calls it the crux tension um, that that um, that I needed to really address and try to integrate. And I would say before polarity thinking, you know, it didn't even show up as attention, right? It just appeared as a choice. You know, I'm either challenging and get the best out of people, or I celebrate people and they feel good, but I don't get the best out of them, right? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was stuck in the traditional black or white, either or way of seeing the world, and what polarity thinking gave me was access to a way of seeing myself and others, of course, in a totally different way, which is, wait a second that's a false dichotomy, right? Those things aren't mutually exclusive. What would it look like if I could get the benefits of challenging, which there are many, Mm -hmm. and the benefits of celebrating without the downsides of either? Right. And what if I could really integrate that, that tension? And what an incredible leader I could be, right? And so, you know, my discovery was number 1 its attention <laughs> i can name it see it as attention number 2 is i had a strong preference and own that just you know acknowledge that i have a preference for challenging which as you know as well as i do is usually and in my case it was born out of a fear of the downside of the opposite pole so as i discovered as i went through that my biggest fear was complacency and mediocrity and of course it's not very well founded but i'm going to prefer the challenging pole with given that fear and I really worked through it. I mapped it, uh, became a central part of my own leadership development. Um, and I think one of the beautiful things and powerful things about polarity thinking is it's not just a theoretical, you know, abstract exercise. It culminates in the identifying of actions. And there were some really important actions that I took and still take to this day to leverage that tension. Um, and it's been a big game changer and it's not the only tension, right? There
0: <laughs> oh no. Oh no. That allowed
2: me as I got mastery of that and I continue to work on it to explore other other of my edges. Mm-hmm. And those edges show up almost always as polarities or tensions. And I have a tool now for being able to see them and, and leverage them. Yeah. And I I, I, I use the word I, leverage really intentionally because you know, I think a lot of people say, well, balance or manage. And I'm like, "It for me, it's not about balance feels like you're compromising and diluting. Managing feels like it's a burden. Leverage feels like you're taking advantage of it and maximizing it, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's just an important distinction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think there's elements depending on the tension of all yes. of those Yeah. Uh, at different times, right? And I think you, times, you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Right, it just depends on how intense it is, and how it shows up for you, right? And whether it's a leverage or a slight balance, or you know maybe a manage. I don't know, but I, I appreciate you bringing that because I, I I do think they're they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and uh, I you know there are so many, <laughs> right? <laughs> so kudos to you for choosing your crux, you know the most important one to start with, because I think if people just did that just really thought about what's the kingpin in my life. Like what's the biggest tension I'm experiencing and just do your best with that one. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a great place to start. And, and I think Garrett uh, Barry's biggest gift to all of us was the map because so much of it is um, just kind of there, but you, you know, it's hard to put your finger on all of it until you can Mm -hmm. lay it out and really see it, make it visible and tangible. Um, and then see the um, the outcomes of your actions or lack of action, right? Mm-hmm. Or effectiveness right. of your action. Because sometimes you think, oh, I got this handled, right? I'm going to take these action steps. This is going to get me what I want over here. And you still don't have it. And you're kind of like, what's going on, right? So you know either what you're doing isn't you know, working or you need to step it up a little bit or whatever. But I think it just gives you that wholeness, mm-hmm. you know, and that's such a gift.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's such a huge gift. Um, so, you know, we um, we really believe this is a critical leadership competency. Um, it's, it's a h- human being competency <laughs> for that matter, right? But really for leaders, and we know you work with a lot of leaders, it, it is core competency for every leader. Um, what do you think, in your opinion, it'll take to to get that across to leaders, to have this really become mainstream. I mean, I think that's what we've been after, right? For leaders is every leader should know this. What, what are your thoughts about that?
2: I think we're getting close. And I would say if there were one word I I hear the most, and this is sort of pre pandemic and then even more so uh, given where we are today is this sense of overwhelm that the complexity of our environment is just overwhelming. Things are changing At a pace that's greater than ever before, Uh, the volatility and uncertainty uh, and complexity of our environment is going up, and my way of thinking isn't keeping pace with the degree of change and the increase in complexity in my environment. And so it's that mismatch between the complexity of my thinking and the complexity of my environment that's causing this overwhelm, and it's causing us to reach a breaking point. And so I think we're at the cusp of um, a breakthrough, which actually crises highlight, right? They yes. give people an opportunity to slow down just enough to reexamine, hold on a second, the playbooks we've been running, the operating systems we've been running aren't working in this environment. We've got to rethink. And I often use the metaphor of like try, imagine having a, you know, your smartphone, your iPhone, Whatever smartphone you use, um, running on an operating system from five years ago and trying to run it in today's environment, it, would just, it just wouldn't work. And so I think we're experiencing the same thing. And I think one of the upgrades that's available to us is polarity thinking because it allows us to manage and leverage complexity in a way. You know, I was running a company and we were stuck in what I didn't then recognize as a polarity. With um, was running a big education institution, which was how do we on the one hand increase um, our, our enrollment, essentially revenue, and the other hand the quality of the education, right? And those two we were pitted to, at against each other as a as a leadership team. I was all about the quality of the education because I believed if you focus on that. It's going to drive such a great experience that we're going to drive revenue. And I half my team that were focused on, hey, we can't keep the lights on without driving enrollment yeah. and revenue, right? And we were stuck in attention and it wasn't working, right? When you can begin to see that as like, wait a second, we all want the same thing. How do we get both? It's a game changer. And I think we're at the cusp of realizing that our old way of thinking isn't working anymore.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of barriers Falling down, right? Like, like there's a lot of barriers yeah. being overcome. Um, yeah, and uh, I think, yeah, the pandemic is certainly having an effect. It's, it's pushing people out of their comfort zone. It's it's forcing them to almost look for alternative ways of being and thinking. And and in your book, you talk about paradigms, right? And how paradigms constrain you. And I think this is kind of the breakdown of some of the paradigms, and maybe the breakdown of the either or,
1: <laughs> yeah. right,
0: paradigm. Not that either or doesn't work at all. We, we've got yes. to be really clear about that, right? This is a yep. both and. It's mm-hmm. it's the both and with the either or. It's using yes. it's using the right logic at the right time. Yes, for the right reasons, right? But I think it's you know a lot of paradigms are shifting, and um, and yeah. I'm very hopeful that polarity thinking will be one of them. I know we're screaming as loud as we can. <laughs> I know I'm probably more hopeful than yeah. ever mm-hmm. right yeah. now. So that's exciting. Yeah.
2: But I do think that on your point around it is both,
0: yeah.
2: either or. There's a place for either or. There's a place for both and. I think it's Barry Johnson who says, don't forget yeah. that both and is one pole of a polarity. The other po- pole being either or. Yes. And they both have benefits and virtues. And um, I think when we begin to over-preference anything to the neglect of the other, we're we're again we're out of, out of the, the both and thinking. So, um, yeah, it's just an important point. Uh, yeah. that I always try to remember because I can get really seduced into seeing everything as a both and. And there's a lot of things that are either or as well.
1: Yeah. And we all live in the downside of unipolar leadership.
2: <laughs> yes. So
1: it's, it's the answer is bringing both together and being yeah. able to discern which is which.
0: Wow. Exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, to your point too, um Well, we talk a lot about the both and because it's not talked about, right? It's we exactly. the downside of the either or, exactly. and that's why yes. we bring it so much. Um, yeah. but it's so important to to continue to um, to believe in and honor what either or does bring, right And it's yeah. when yes. it's appropriate to use it. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So in the last stage in mastering your code um, is to discover and commit to your calling. Mm -hmm. And you talk about the path for people who want to live their life on purpose. That's something that's been, you know, it's one of our pillars in our work as well. Um, And, you know, we just, uh, we teach that in order to master alignment. You know, it's just critical steps to know your purpose and live it every day. Um, Tell us what led you to include that um, in your book at the end of the book. (laughs)
2: it's strategically placed at the end of the book because i think it's the hardest chapter to write (laughs) you know i was like okay i'm gonna have to tackle this big question of like living you know your purpose and uh and it's essential you know to i think leading an extraordinary life um but there are no easy answers to that question and i think if we expect easy answers we're probably asking the wrong question but i assert in the book that um You know, all of the ancient traditions had, you know, their notion of essential calling. Dharma. The Greeks had entelechy. The Japanese have this incredible word ikigai, which literally means the reason for getting up in the morning. It's the intersection of what I love to do, what I'm good at, what the world needs, and what I can get paid for, which I think is a really practical uh, framework for figuring out. Okay, what is it that I'm really like? What's my essential calling? What I what I really want to do? A couple things I would say. Uh, one is the harder you try to figure it out, the more elusive it's going to be. So I always counsel people like, don't be in a rush. You could be, I've, I've blessed to have a daughter who is figured out her purpose in life very early on in the arts and hasn't wavered since. And there's part of me that's like, wow, like if that, you know, for me, it took 40 years, you know? And so it's going to show up when it's supposed to, and when you're ready to fulfill it. And so part of it is just to to know that and have some patience. The more patient you are and attuned, the more likely it is that you'll discover it and know it, and it'll be unmistakable. The other thing that I think I've, I find to be even maybe more compelling uh, is that, and I love this quote by Abraham Maslow, the psychologist, who said, what one can be, one must be. And it speaks to perhaps the ultimate purpose of being human is to Fulfill your potential. And if there is no other thing than to wake up each day jumping out of bed, eager to take yourself on and grow and fulfill your potential, you're doing a pretty good job of living on purpose. And if that's your purpose, a lot of good things will come from it. So that, that's what I, I, I tend to come back to that a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, and it, it is different. You're so right. It doesn't come... To everyone, all at the same time, crystal clear. It is a journey. I think a lot of it is just paying attention. Just you know, yes. paying attention to what speaks to you. It uh, yeah. go, goes back to the first chapter, being aware, right? There's a connection yeah. there as well. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and you it, have to yeah. uh, ego strength, you know, yes. to have the courage, um, and uh, that takes time. You know, I didn't have that ego strength in my 20s and 30s. You know, <laughs> like not even sure I do today. I'm just beginning, um, yeah. so it, it's just honoring being human and uh and that means don't be too much in a rush, but don't you know be too patient either, and it's of like finding the perfect middle ground
0: well and i and I think to your point, like I, I forcing never works, yeah, right, and um I mean if you think about you know and um doing something to serve somebody else doesn't work either, right. And I agree with you. I think it's just allowing and listening, watching Mm -hmm. for the signposts. And I think you have different purposes at different times in your life. You know, so it's not like just maybe one purpose. You can have multiple purposes throughout your living experience. Um, And whatever you don't do here that you're meant to do, you'll, you'll, come back and do it again in another way. I fully believe, right? You're going to keep having the lessons you need to have until you've done the thing you need to do. And uh, so there's a, and there's, that's something that's above and beyond you, right? And uh, you just got to look for, for the light and for, you know, the, the messages that are coming to you and take advantage of the things that are meaningful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Read.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Darren, uh, I think our last question for you is uh, what gives you the greatest hope right now for leaders of tomorrow? Because you work with leaders of all different kind and we know it's out of our heart all the time about the next generation up and what gives you the greatest hope right now for the leaders of tomorrow?
2: Um, I'm seeing leaders increasingly um, have enough maturity and self-awareness to know that uh, they need some help right? Mm-hmm. That they, you know, that we can't try to do this on our own. Uh, now, I happen to be in a profession that um, provides that help. So, you know, <laughs> I, I might be a little biased um, <laughs> and hopeful that I'm seeing that, but I really am, you know, that these are people that have reached what would be considered traditional heights of success, um, discovering that, and I think partly because of how complex the world's getting that, yeah. uh, and they need some guidance and some help. Um, and, and they have the courage uh that despite being having been traditionally very successful, uh there's more to it. And I don't think I would I couldn't say that ten years ago. Um certainly not twenty years ago. So I think more and more seeing it and um and that gives me a lot of hope that uh you know the leaders are going to get to a place of choice and consciousness and awareness that allow them to lead with more wisdom and more maturity. And, you know, gosh, the, the world needs a lot of that right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it sure does. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> and thank goodness there's books like yours out there to get them started. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And we'll have one someday too, right, Michelle? That's right. That's right. That's right. Wow. Wow. What a pleasure it's been to talk with you today. Yeah. And to get to know you a little bit and, you know, I just big fan of your book and I'll be sharing that as much as I possibly can because I think the, the messages are so powerful Yeah, and I can see why I can see, um, getting a chance to see the man behind the words. I can yeah. tell, you know, just a genuine soul and uh, very wise, it's just mm-hmm. been great to meet you. Oh,
2: yeah. it's been lovely to meet you both. And yeah. it's, it's a pleasure and privilege to be on the show. Thank yeah, you. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know uh, there's some books that you read once. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you if you look, even look in my office, and there's some books you read over and over, and yours is going to be one of them I yeah. read over and over again. So thank you, Darren, so much. And really, with along with Tracy, thanks for being on our
0: podcast. It's really an honor. Yeah.
2: Thank you so yeah. much. My pleasure.
0: Yeah. Now stay safe and strong and healthy. Yes. And your, your family as well, okay? Yes.
2: Thank you, and you too.
0: Yeah, we will. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, as always, for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We'd love to hear and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com, and we may include your question in a future episode. You can find show notes and links at our website, www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions on our website at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast.